Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number one professional wrestling radio show in Las Vegas. This is the Mark Hope Show. The Mark Hope Show. Filled with wrestling news, entertainment, and lots of Sin City surprises from inside the squared circle. Now, let's bring on the tag team of Andrew Fish Fame, Joe DeFalco, and your host, Mark Hoke. All right, and we are back on the Mark Hoke Show doing more pro wrestling news, entertainment, insanity. Listen to Joe DeFalco be grumpy. I mean, whatever it takes, we will entertain you here on KDWN. 1015 FM, 720 AM, The Talk of Las Vegas, KDWN.com, and wherever else you're listening, because we're kind of all over the world. It's pretty cool. So thank you for joining us. We do appreciate that. Mr. Joe DeFalco of Future Stars of Wrestling, and just as a reminder, go to FSWVegas.com for all the great events he's running. Plus, of course, if you want to be a wrestler, well, referee, manager, you know, want to carry around the spit bucket, whatever you want to do. Joe will take it. Yeah, we'll take your money. <laughs> Go to FSWVegas.com and check it out. We would certainly appreciate that. Also, uh, Brian Ronovich from LasVegasWrestlingScene.com sitting in. We've invoked the super free bird rule because Andrew Fishfane is not here. <laughs> so we are, we are making you an honorary Hokamaniac. Congratulations. Like Jimmy Garvin. Am I Jimmy Garvin? Would that make, yeah, that, I guess that would yeah, put you in Jimmy Garvin territory. That's not bad. Yeah. No, not at all. Not I mean, at all. He was really good. You're bringing the girls, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> to the opposite. <laughs> but very happy to have you here, Brian. Thank Thanks you. for Thank coming you. Thanks on the for show. Thanks for having me. It's fun. We, we do appreciate it. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit about some WWE stuff, but there was something interesting that came up. Uh, I just saw this story yesterday about Survivor Series. Did you guys know that Kevin Dunn, the, the longtime WWE producer, was not there and did not do Survivor Series? We've heard rumblings that he is not well-liked with Ms. Stephanie and uh, Mr. Triple H. Could this be the end of Kevin Dunn, guys? Could we finally be done with, with epilepsy shots and all that kind of stuff? What do you, Joe, what do you think? Well, I... Uh... You know, if Triple H is in charge, he's the one who should shut down those shots regardless of what Kevin Dunn says. He works for them. So why they're continuing it, it's it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, you know, they, they're pretty innovative a lot of times when it comes to the production, but, like, that camera work, it, it, it's horrendous. Yeah, what do you think, Brian? No, I agree. I agree. Um, and and I've, the, the thing I've always heard is just that nobody really cares. I don't want to say nobody, but he's not very popular. And as they continue to make these moves, it just seems like the the obvious one. I was surprised it didn't happen sooner. Well, and I think the question becomes is, is there somebody in place to take, you know, you could not like somebody or not, not you know, he's been doing it for who knows how many years as Vince's right hand man. And if you don't have somebody to step in place to do it, it you know, it, you, you can't make the move regardless if, if you don't like him, if you don't feel that you have somebody that can take over and step right in. Well, I guess my feel, but I, exactly. I just say that, like, if if they know that they're taking over, they've been in place for a few months now. So if you if 
I always feel like if that's somebody, you're always kind of thinking of like, well, if one day I'm in charge, here's what you know I would do, and I would I would have thought they might have had somebody already ready to go into that position, or feel like they could put it together to make it work, especially if he's as unpopular as we've heard in some of the stories. Well, and and not to totally tear the guy apart, because there's a lot of things that people have said about Kevin Dunn, like you know criticizing female wrestlers on their looks that so and so can't be a champion because she's not sexy enough mm-hmm. and. And all that kind of crazy stuff. But in terms of a pro- putting together a production, WWE is top notch overall. You know, we can we can certainly complain about the the crazy camera shots and a few of the other things they do, the the animations which drive me nuts, but I'm sure they're there for the kids. But when WWE does a full production, I mean it, it's pretty incredible what they do. I mean yeah. you can see the difference between what they do and what AEW does. Now I think WWE maybe overproduced a little bit at times. But now on the other side of it, it's still pretty impressive what they do. Um, But obviously Kevin does some things they don't like, and he has rubbed people the wrong way for a long time from everything that I've read. So this is, this is intriguing. It would be, it would be a hell of a change to say the least. Yeah. You know, and he was really good in that tag team. Well done back in the day. So (laughs) did you really just say that? Yeah. Oh, he did. Joe DeFalco, everybody. He'll be play- he'll be here all week. Yeah, oh. all week. Tip One... your bartender. <laughs> two, two, two shows nightly. <laughs> A comedy show with Joe DeFalco would be interesting. It would. It would be. I God, it sometimes even... his Facebook is pretty high comedy. Actually, when he his comments that that is very true as well. Um, we're also hearing some stuff about the Royal Rumble coming up. By the way, that there may be a Hell in a Cell match at Royal Rumble. With, uh, oh, or the Rock might win it. That, that that's that's what he would need to get a title shot. See, see, I don't. Well, let me let's deal with the Hell in the Cell thing first because the the rumor mill has it that Kevin Owens may be stepping into a Hell in a Cell with Roman Reigns to wrap up the feud that they stopped after a while. And it was a good that was a good few matches that they had. It was very enjoyable, of course, except for the the lock that wouldn't unlock. And I still maintain that Kevin Owens should be the universal champion because of that. But that's just me. I am a KO fan unabashedly. But I I think that would be a lot of fun to see KO taking on Roman Reigns in a hell in a cell. I mean, throw that into a Royal Rumble and uh wow, that's that's setting well, up for a pretty entertaining card. Well, Ke- Kevin Owens better acknowledge Roman Reigns about slapping him in the face without letting him know. And yeah. You know, Maybe Roman will accept the match, but, you know, right now Owen's on thin ice making moves like that on his own. Yeah, if, and if you didn't hear about that during the uh, War Games match, uh, apparently Kevin Owens did an unscripted spot where he hit Roman in the ear and uh, may have burst his eardrum. Whoops. That is that is incorrect. And apparently the Tribal Chief not too pleased about that one. So. Yeah. Well then, how I heard is... he did it. For, I heard he did it for the Rock, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well then, Hell in a Cell would be a good place to settle it. That oh, the the receipt for that at least for Roman Reigns. Yeah, I mean, if you're oh. going to do something like that, you better be ready for what you get back. That's that's all there is to it. Yeah, if you don't know what the term receipt means in pro wrestling, by the way, it means when you do something to somebody in the ring that maybe you shouldn't have. Usually, there is a receipt coming in the form of some sort of, uh, shall we say, backlash, revenge. Right. Well, 
you, what you could do is you can go to Against All Odds and go check out the the Rumble match with Graves and AJ Mana, and you'll see what a receipt is. Oh, I didn't notice. I didn't know that. I, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That got a little. That got a little weird. Fair enough. Yeah, receipts are always entertaining, to say the least. But yeah, so of course the Rumble is coming up, and you know the rumors are the Rock may be coming back. We've got Cody Rhodes. They ran the uh, vignette for that during the uh, Survivor Series. That you know looked like they're setting Cody up to come back. Those would appear, and on betting odds, I think those two are the top two to win the Rumble too. If you were setting this Royal Rumble up, guys, who wins? Who do you think should be the winner of the Royal Rumble? And I'll, I'll give that to you, Brian. I, I would oh, take Karrion Cross twenty to one. Like he needs something right now. And if you want to give a guy a monster push, now see this is the the weird thing. So when you win the Rumble, you get the title match at WrestleMania. And in the past, it was easily worked. You had the elimination chamber, so one could you could take a shot at one of the champions. Well, if the idea is for The Rock to wrestle Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, what is winning the Rumble going to get you? See, what I'm thinking is that whoever wins the Rumble, I think Roman should wrestle twice. I think he should have two matches, one on first night, one on the second night. And you know, if Cody, if Cody is the one that wins some sort of screw job the first night, and that could set up then Roman wrestling the rock on the second night. And, you know, if let, let's say Roman loses the heavyweight championship to Cody on the first night with something crazy. Well, now you've got more drama around that heading into a Roman reigns rock match on night two for the universal title. That, that would get people's attention. I think. Yeah, but why Why would all of a sudden, now at the biggest show of the year, he's only defending one of the titles on the first night? He defends, it's it's universal. Both titles are always defended when he wrestles. So now we're going to, now that stipulation makes everybody know that he would be losing on night one if you made that, in my opinion. And I don't think The Rock and Roman Reigns need the title to have that match anyway. So if you're going to make the move, make the move. Do you think they should have taken the belt off Reigns, Joe? No, what I'm saying is that it's all or nothing. That's what they've done. You can't go to WrestleMania now and say, oh, night one, we're going to only wrestle for the the first title. Why wouldn't it be? It's WrestleMania. It's the biggest show of the year. And that's the show you're going to say we're going to not have them defend both titles. Like that would logistically to me, that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, would you have, if you're not, so you're saying if you're not going to have both belts, if he's not going to have both, would you have already taken the belt off Roman? Because you don't need Roman Roman rock. Don't have to have a title for it to mean something. No, they don't. But I'm also, I've never liked the idea of having two champions. I've always yeah, thought either. that I don't care if it's Raw and SmackDown. I think the Usos being the tag champs is fine. It just waters everything down when you have two champions on two different shows. Yeah. I, I don't like it. Your, your heavyweight champion is your number one guy. Yep. Well, now we have two number one guys. Well, right. you can't have two number one guys. That's why they're called the number one guy. Yeah, and, and I agree with that, too. I mean, I'm the, the reason that I'm putting that out there that, is if they're going to keep the two titles, 
the way they were kind of setting it up with Cody was my dad held up the WWF championship back in the 70s. And, you know, that's the title that I want. So if you're going to split those two titles again, that's kind of your way out. And I, and I do you know, and we've gone into WrestleMania is knowing certain people were going to win the championship, but I think that would be the way out. If they want to split those titles again, you could still keep one on Roman if you wanted and then give Cody the other one and then run from there. Do you think they're going to go when Cody comes back? Do you think they're going to immediately go right back into I want to be the world champion? Or do you think they take time off because it feels like that's quick, especially if it's a rumble win? We're, we, yeah, well, we're going to well, find out whoever wins the rumble. Well, yeah, no, that's what l- I'm saying. Look at, it, look at it this way. When Cody Rhodes resigned, Vince McMahon was in charge. Now Triple H is in charge. So whatever deal Vince McMahon made with Cody Rhodes. Good point. Does, does does that stand? You know, does does Triple H say, oh, okay, since Vince was going to make you the champ, well, what if Triple H says, you know what, I don't really want Cody as my champ. Then guess what? I don't think Cody's going to be the champ. Like, again, that's kind of like the, the pre, predetermined thing, like with the MJF thing, that, like, Cody's anointed to be the next champion. I don't get it. And in his whole career in WWE, he was never a main guy ever. And, and I get it. He was hot off the AEW thing. But now that he's going to be gone six, eight, nine months, you know, to just throw him in there and beat Roman Reigns and win the Rumble, it's just like, again, it becomes like a, it's an afterthought. It, it, there's no organicness to it. Like when he came back and the crowd went crazy for him, which was, was amazing. And he was hot right then and there, but he's not when he's not around. And now to all of a sudden just like stop everything. And it's like, okay, Cody's back. Everybody get out of the way. Yeah. Well, what about Bray? What about Bray Wyatt? He's back. Yeah, and you don't want to necessarily, and shoehorning him in can cause backlash too. It, it could work totally against you by trying to force Cody into that match when he, right when he comes back. Everybody's on the Bray Wyatt tip right now. Yeah. They were on the Cody Rhodes tip because it was Cody Rhodes coming back. Yeah. And now Bray Wyatt's come back, and he sells more merch than everybody. He's a WWE guy per se over Cody. Cody got enormously popular outside of WWE. Why does, why does he get the title over Bray if they're going to make the change? Yeah, this is going to be a very yeah. interesting Royal Rumble because of all, there's a ton of possibilities. Now, a lot of times when we've gone into the Rumble, we've only known there's you know one or two people that are going to win it. But this year, I, I think the door is pretty open. Yeah, and during the match, who knows who might pop out? That is very right. true. You know, I think Bo Dallas is going to take it all myself. But you know, well, I don't know if you guys saw by the way, but Ric Flair has had said that if apparently he's going to be doing some stuff with WWE again, and he said if. You guys want me in the Rumble. I'll do it. Number 30. Number 30, oh, the nature boy. Could you imagine that? Oh. And then he wins the title because he's <laughs> got to get, like, you know, one more over uh, Triple H. Oh, God. Would that be horrendous? Uh, oh, God. Now that I've nauseated everybody. Yikes. Oof. Ugh. Lamarck Oak Show here on KDWN. Killing wrestling fans for. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, they're going to be like, Mark Hoke said Ric Flair should win the Rumble. No. <laughs> no, no what, now yeah. you're Brian. You're throwing me under the bus right. there. Shame on you. No, that's what people will well, say. Now, 
Now maybe Andrade shows up and Flair manages him at the Rumble. You never know. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I think he sold her contract, but he he has a a uh, had a torn pec, if I remember right. I've got the stories sitting in front of me, so. But that's what he says. It's yeah. wrestling. He could be lying. Well, yeah, that is true. Oh, come on now. A wrestler lie. What happens? I I couldn't imagine that. That would that would be a shock. Well, speaking of that that injury, by the way, if you get hurt or something bad happens to you, you know, and you're not happy with how someone's dealing with you on a certain situation, well, we could have you just give my friend Dutch Boy a call at Vegas Council. Go to VegasCouncil.com. Dutch, of course, the three-time World Series of Poker bracelet winner, too. Very familiar with him. You guys know him. He's a good dude, and he is a great friend of mine. Business law, intellectual property, personal injury. Hey, if you got screwed on that FTX thing, he also specializes in crypto law. Mm. So, And you can get a cons- free consultation. Just go to VegasCouncil.com. Say you heard about him on the uh, Mark Hoke Show, and... You can get some legal help if you need it, especially maybe oh, definitely with that. You would definitely need that uh, free legal advice or the free consultation because you'd have no money from losing it all in that crypto thing. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's Dutch's job to get it back for you. So head over to VegasCouncil.com. All right, but when we come back, a lot of injuries, and with Joe DeFalco being around and training wrestlers, I'm oh. curious. What do we do to stop all this? Is there anything we can do? Stick around, everybody. We'll be right back on the Mark Oak Show here on KDWN. When it comes to having the right attorney in your corner, You want to have a proven winner on your side, and Russell Dutch Boyd of VegasCouncil.com knows how to win in Las Vegas. Boyd graduated at 18 years old from law school and is also a three-time World Series of Poker bracelet winner. And no matter what legal challenges you're facing, Boyd will help you through it all. As a litigation attorney, he covers multiple areas of law, including personal injury, business law and startup, cyber law and crypto clients, and whatever else you might need to navigate the legal waters of Las Vegas and beyond. Just visit VegasCouncil.com to set up your free initial consultation today. That's VegasCouncil.com and let Dutch Boyd help you win today. Once again, that's Russell Boyd at VegasCouncil.com. One oh one five FM K Don. This is the Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. Here again, your host, Mark Hoke. All right, and we are back on the Mark Hoke Show, the best of pro wrestling news and entertainment, planet wide, universe wide, multiverse wide, because, well, that's what we do. I'm Mark Hoke, Joe DeFalco. Andrew Fish Fane is out for the day. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's placing some bets on betonline.ag after he went to markhokeshow.com and used that great code. And uh, Brian Ronovich from Las Vegas Wrestling Scene is sitting in for him today. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, see, Joe, Joe's like, yeah, whatever. It's Joe's used to it. Though. Yeah. Joe's used to this type of, of fame and celebrity. I'm <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Well, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on something that's been happening in pro wrestling a lot lately, and and especially in AEW. There have been a lot of injuries to necks, faces. Um, you know, we, we've seen the torn muscles and stuff. But I don't know if you've noticed or not, but a lot of people have been getting broken noses in AEW, and some of them pretty serious. Ruby Soho just came back this week, and she had to have some pretty massive surgery to get get her uh, nasal cavities all squared up. And I'm I'm wondering you guys' thoughts because you know you're Ryan, you're on the indie scene too, so I'm sure you've seen your share of some bad things happen out there. Is there? just an issue with guys are doing so many different things in the ring and it's a much more, uh, the moves are more dangerous and intricate or is it on the other side that people aren't being careful enough when they're wrestling and not taking care of their opponents and smashing their faces in and doing stuff that are hurting their necks and so on. What, what do you guys think about that? And Joe, let me, let me hit you first on that one because you do training at FSW Vegas. Well, I think, if you look at the progression of professional wrestling, a lot of stuff in the past may be a little more mat-based. Right now, it's, it's uh, high-risk stuff is is the norm. You know, in AEW, there's there's a lot of craziness going on when you have the Young Bucks in a match and Pentagon and Phoenix, and and there's a way better chance of injury. Uh, then when you have somebody in a headlock and a hip toss and, and things like that. So it's like, you know, you have to be spot on and, you know, it's kind of like crash and burn wrestling to where, you know, you're trying to hit that big move and, and there's a lot more opportunities for bad things to happen. You know, there's always going to be that miscommunication and, oh, the elbow to the face. So the guy didn't duck on the clothesline and he clobbers him. But now when you're doing stuff that's extremely dangerous for yourself, it also can be extremely dangerous for your opponent. And that is the style that we have, you know, progressed to. You know, back in the day, you talk about, you know, the Batistas and, you know, Vince McMahon guys because they, they were perceived as, you know, larger than life. Well, those guys weren't doing high-risk, crazy, crazy things in the ring. You know, it's kind of like when Strowman talks about the flippy-flop guys and, and things like that. You know, you know what you're going to get from Braun Strowman, you know, kick, punch, clothesline, you know, stuff that's probably safer to do in the ring than, you know, some of the stuff you're going to see from, from Ricochet and, and all those guys. So the risk becomes higher. But then you take the opposite factor of, hey, AEW only runs, you know, once or twice a week. It seems like there's more injuries now than when WWF and, and WCW were running house shows six, seven days a week. I don't think we saw as many injuries. So it, it kind of... You know, you can look at it either way. It's kind of odd, and, and maybe people are less worried about their safety and more, you know, hey, I'm trying to get that contract in AEW Dark. You know, I'm going to go all out. And and sometimes that's, the, you know, not a, not a good recipe, and it's a recipe for disaster, and that's why there's a lot more injuries these days. Yeah, you look at some of the ones that happened, like Hangman Adam Page, you know, just took a clothesline and decided he was going to 
go butt over tea kettle and you know landed wrong, concussed himself. Adam Cole's concussion, if I remember right, was on a super kick. Um, the injury to Ruby Soho was just an elbow to the face. And some of this stuff is seems like it's pretty basic things that people are just not executing properly. But then, yeah, obviously, some of it too is you know you're you're doing high well, risk. So it's it, it's nah, it's pretty interesting, I think. Now let let's look. Remember a couple of weeks back with with Guevara, where he dropped the girl like n- no attention to detail and just dropped her like a, a sack of potatoes. Yeah, and you know that that's all on him. That's showing you know the, the one most important thing that I know our trainers teach is being safe for your opponent and being able to trust your opponent. If, if if I'm in the ring with Sammy Guevara, how trusting am I when I watch that clip of him? Yep, absolutely. Brian, what are your thoughts on that? No, I agree with Joe totally. I, I think that um, it's it's also, you ha- especially with the high, you know, just an increased risk factor. I guess that's just the way I'm trying to put it. It, it is. It happens so much more often now. You're also trying to have stiff matches, so you're laying stuff in even more than you did before, uh, you know, with the broken osers. And that type of stuff is fluky. You know, you never really know, especially with, like, serious stuff, too, you know. Um, But I think it's a combination of both, ultimately. Like, with younger stars, I think when you see injuries like that happen with, like, in the indies, it's sometimes this guy's trying to do way too much, way too quickly, and instead of learning to do side headlocks and arm bars and running the ropes properly and doing things like that, they want to do the crazy flips out of the ring and things like that. So that's when you see that. These are guys that are supposed to be more trained, but I think with, with all the, the shots going off all over the place, it's hard to stay healthy. You're going to just walk into stuff that you didn't even intend to walk into. It just happened, you know? Yeah, and, when it, and it goes on on the indie circuit. The thing is, we'll get guys that are trained enough to maybe have a match with one of our veteran guys, but then we see these guys are taking bookings elsewhere without any experience, and they're going out there before they're really ready to have matches because there's so many companies now running so many shows that so many barely trained wrestlers are getting on shows. Well, they book. It's like they book one guy, and he says, "Well, I have three friends, and they train right. with me." And it it is really surprising the guys that you start. You've we I've seen especially this last year that are being that are booking out of town, and it's like you see them here, and you're like, "You're not even ready to be out of town yet. Why are you booking and outside it, out of state?" And it, the other thing is, it's it's like kind of a curse. It's like, well, hey, they trained at FSW. Mm-hmm. You know, FSW is a great training facility, but that doesn't mean they were ready yet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's very interesting that progression, and of of course, Brian, you see that. Of course, you are the one of the gurus of Las Vegas Wrestling Scene dot com, and you, know, you cover every level of professional wrestling. And you know, tell us a little bit about what you do on the site, and you know, your experiences of of working you know, around these people that are on the indie scene and seeing them work their way up from the bottom to the top. You know, that's the best part is seeing the guys come in and seeing their first match and then watch where they progress over the years. That's that's definitely my favorite part. The school shows are my are my favorite. Um, what we do is we you know, we, we cover the local scene. It's it's a sports niche site. 
it's it's pretty it's Las Vegas. We we don't get outside of the scene much if it's not here. If Impact's here, if WWE's here, we'll we'll pay attention to it. But our our primary bread and butter is FSW, uh, and then the other companies in town versus Pride Style, et cetera, Grab House. Uh, we we like to do recaps on all the shows. We're working more on doing more previews, um, doing more history, Las Vegas history. I've been covering a lot of stuff from uh, I want to say uncovered, but um, right in a history post because there's really nothing written about Las Vegas as a as a wrestling town in the 70s and 60s and 50s. Luthez wrestled here. Gorgeous George wrestled here. Some of the top territory stars that you see on Vice wrestled in Las Vegas. And a lot of people don't realize that. So that's something that we're trying to bring out to uh, just showing people what's going on here and there because there's a lot. Well, give everybody a little brief synopsis about the history of wrestling in Las Vegas because now it has really become a hotbed. But you never hear about Las Vegas when you're seeing shows like Tales from the Territories and so on. Uh, give us a little idea of what, how far it goes back with professional wrestling here in Sin City. Well, believe it or not, it goes, it goes all the way back to the 30s. They, they, had, they had matches in Boulder City uh, during when they were building the dam with entertainment for the workers and things like that. But a lot of stuff was happening in Vegas. The American Legion uh, originally hosted boxing. And they, because they wanted a way to, you know, pay the bills and have money coming in. So they started to add wrestling. There was the Legion Arena, um, Legion Stadium, Cashman Field, the original Cashman Field. Uh, that's where Luthez was. Luthez had matches there. Um, that was in like the 50s and the 60s. The convention center was booking a lot of shows. There was a show here in Vegas in, in the 50s back in the day when there were a lot of studio shows. But the primary reason, Las Vegas was never really a territory. Las Vegas was a stopover town. Um, there wasn't a major television network. There was TV, but it wasn't one of those major networks like Chicago had or Los Angeles, New York. So you weren't getting the big names that were coming to Vegas. It was a It was a stop on the tour. So like, for example, you look at uh, LA booking LA controlled Las Vegas for the, for several decades. And what they would do is Vegas would be a part of the tour. So they would be going, say, if let's just go, you're going to LA, San Diego, multiple cities, Vegas would be one of them. They would be one of the spots. So they would come in, do a show, head back to Southern California while they were in the territory. Northern California was the same in the 70s when Roy Shire was booking in a convention center. They were doing Modesto and San Jose and Vegas would be one of the spots. What's interesting about Vegas is what you see is, too, is that Vegas will be part of it, but then they weren't a part of the tour. And some of it was attendance. There were attendance issues for a long time. And I think a lot of it was as gambling was becoming more pronounced, especially into like the 50s and 60s and becoming more of a thing. Wrestling was really just kind of a side thing. There were there were places like I was saying, the American Legion, uh, Cashman Field Convention Center was booking shows. Uh, kind of something just to fill in the gap, like here's something else that you can do. It wasn't a main cog for the NWA. The NWA was a major reason why Las Vegas didn't get television back in the 50s, actually. So it was because of the L.A. conglomerate that was there. So they, there were a lot of politics, obviously, that kept things from Vegas population, other entertainment and, you know, lack of attendance certainly didn't help. When did it change? 
for you mean as far as when did Vegas really yeah. get hot? I think the indie scene. Joe could probably speak to this even better than me. I mean, really, I think the indie scene had a lot to do with it. I think the Raiders coming. I think the Golden Knights coming because major sports coming to a city increases really improves a lot of the sports. And it just seemed to me that like as indie wrestling got bigger, pro wrestling in general, with this being a major league town, not just gambling, you can have the wrestling sports fan come and watch wrestling shows. And so it makes it more, it's more of like a, to me, it felt like more of like a, wow, Vegas is a major sports town now. Now we can bring SummerSlam and obviously Allegiant Stadium. So all those extra perks come with being a major leagues town. And I think that made it had a big difference in increasing things here in Vegas. Yeah, Joe, you've been running on the indie scene for a long time here in Vegas. You know, when did you see the big change where now Las Vegas has truly become a, a very important stop on the wrestling circuit? Well, Vegas, you know, I used to work with the Godfather, and even he would talk about how there would be the reason why uh, WWF never came out there. Like, it would be a very infrequent stop just because the attendance was not there. And those guys were getting based on getting their pay back in the day. House shows was a, a big determining factor on what they would get. So they wouldn't really, they'd, you know, they'd go to Phoenix, they'd go to L.A., they'd go to San Diego. But in a lot of cases, you know, three out of every four times, Vegas would be skipped and, and they'd get, you know, they'd get it free, infrequently. Uh, in reality, Vegas wrestling was dead. Uh, there was the NWC that ran out of the Silver Nugget. They used a lot of ex-WWF guys, and then they used some younger guys who, like Rob Van Dam, got his start there. And that was in the late 90s. And then it disappeared. And I remember Rush started a wrestling school in, like, 2000, 2001. It was regulated by the Athletic Commission. So nothing happened again until we actually ran our first show at the Rancho Swap Meet in 2009. And we had a couple hundred people there. And then we got to the Silver Nugget. And we talk about it now about oversaturation. You know, from 2009 to probably 2015 or 16, maybe even 17, we ran the show. Nobody was even doing anything, like, you know, uh, other than a special WWE show. Like, I remember Ring of Honor did something on uh, one of the nightclubs next to when the All-Star Cafe was there, and it bombed. And then all of a sudden, we started doing shows at Sam's Town, and then, you know, Ring of Honor decided to make it, to come in, and then Impact came in. And then all of a sudden, you know, three or four local companies started running semi-regularly. But we were the guys that started it, and we pretty much had free reign of Las Vegas for seven, eight years. And I was always shocked that nobody came along. And then when they came along, all of a sudden they came in droves, and, you know, to my dismay, you know, nobody was creating anything. It was like, hey, let's use an FSW guy, which kind of watered down the FSW, you know, roster when you can see them elsewhere. So, you know, that's when, you know, we're plucking the hammer stones and trying to get the best of the best because our competition isn't the other companies. Our competition is there's so much going on in Vegas. So it makes it so difficult. My son went to uh, Sammy Callahan's show at revolver uh, yesterday in Des Moines, Iowa. Well, they drew over a thousand people. Well, there's nothing going on in Des Moines, Iowa. So when <laughs> Sammy runs once every two months, 
you know, like if I ran every two months at the Silver Nugget, we'd have this kind of draw that we had it against all odds. But we have a school and we're trying to draw people and we're trying to give guys opportunities. So we run more shows mixed in with the other Vegas shows of wrestling, mixed in with the other Vegas shows, period, in the casinos and the strip. You know, it, it makes it makes it really hard work to get four or 500 people to come to a show because there's so many other options in town. So you really have to work at getting them because when you have the fans, we have some of the most devoted fans in wrestling. And if you go to the other shows, which are usually much smaller than ours, you're going to see the majority of our super fans are the ones that are at the other shows because they just love wrestling. Yeah. And of course, now it's gotten to the point where AEW's doing a pay-per-view here every year, and we've had a couple of money in the banks and SummerSlam. And, uh, right, is, which has brought is, GCW out, which gave us the opportunity to do a full weekend that had Sammy Callahan's company, Revolver, and Black Label Pro that have some national notoriety. And we've done stuff uh, with GCW since they've come out here at Silver Nugget. You know, that was the most people I've ever seen at a show. And they, you know, they did it the Saturday night of AEW weekend. And we did a show on Thursday and we did two shows on Friday and Rampage ran on Friday and GCW ran on Saturday and so did Revolver. And they had then the AEW pay-per-view on Sunday. And then even when we had SummerSlam, we did a show with GCW. GCW ran, I believe, that Saturday night. They drew fantastic. And then we did a 12 noon show. GCW versus FSW in the arena. Obviously, it's a little smaller, but it was packed to the gills, standing room only. And then, you know, 40,000 people are at SummerSlam. So, you know, I'll I'll take a lot of the credit for building the territory (laughs) for what it is. Because the bottom line is we're the ones who did it and grinded for eight years. And then all of a sudden everybody was like, hey, let's go to Vegas. Let's go to Vegas. And again, unfortunately, not my favorite thing that there's a million companies running, but at least it means that there's a lot more wrestling fans and people are able to come there. And we've been able to work with Impact and Ring of Honor. So that's how we got the Mecca. And we're able to hand out flyers in Samstown when Ring of Honor is running for two days and helps us draw 600 people at Samstown the next day. There you go. All right. Well, we have to take a, one more break here, guys. So uh, before we do, I just want to make sure that we mention – if you're hungry and you're driving around out there, you got to get over to Unique Eats. Say hi to my celebrity chef friend, Dominic Tedesco, over there. They have got all sorts of fantastic, fantastic food at Unique Eats. Uh, breakfast foods, omelets, award-winning pizzas, pasta, smoothie bar, vegetarian options, and they do catering, too. The place is amazing. Of course, don't forget we're doing that meetup there. On a Sunday, August 18th, after the show at noon. So we'd love to see you come over there. But go over to uniqueeats.lv or uniqueeatslv.com. And of course, address 3100 South Durango Suite 100. Or you can give Unique Eats a call at 702 992 3038. And once again, uh, uniqueeatslv.com is the website. All right. And when we come back, we'll kind of continue that indie discussion here and uh talk a little territories because we didn't get to talk much about that last time and i want to make sure we get that in before we wrap up today so stick around here on the mark hoke show on kdwn we will be right back 
Hi, this is Mark Hope. Has out-of-control inflation, gas prices, and grocery costs wrecked your wallet? Then check into automated day trading with Trading Made Easy. Trading Made Easy has spent five years helping people put cash in their pockets with their simple-to-use day trading software. So if you're ready to leave that 9-to-5 job behind, visit TradingMadEasy.com or call 800-971-4160 to sign up for a free live training seminar right now. That's TradingMadEasy.com. Tired of the same boring food when you're out for breakfast or lunch? I'm Mark Hoke, and I have an idea for a different place to go with unique food you're sure to enjoy, and that's Unique Eats. Take some time out of your busy day and stop on in to Unique Eats, featuring celebrity chef Dominic Tedesco and his friendly staff. Whether it's a great start to your day with one of Unique Eats' amazing omelets or lunch with his incredible sandwiches, pasta, and award-winning pizzas, you'll be in for a fantastic dining experience that won't break the bank. Unique Eats also features a smoothie bar and full vegetarian menu as well. Plus, if you need catering, you can count on Unique Eats no matter what the occasion. So what are you waiting for? Get on over to Unique Eats at 3100 South Durango, Suite 100, open daily until 3 p.m. Call them at 702-992-3038 or visit UniqueEatsLV.com for their full menu and catering info. Break out of the same old routine and have a great meal at Unique Eats today. 1015 FM K Don. You're listening to the number one professional wrestling radio show in Vegas, The Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. Now, here again is Mark Hoke. Who? Oh, that guy. Oh, me. Yeah, I guess I got to come back and do my radio show for the last segment. Yeah, here. you do. Yeah, that, you know, it's kind of important, I suppose. Of course, uh, I am Mark Hoke, along with Joe DeFalco from Future Stars of Wrestling. Get over there to FSWVegas.com. Check out everything Joe has going on. Of course, Andrew Fishfein, not here, but we've got Brian Aronovich from LasVegasWrestlingScene.com. That is a must-see website. So yeah, I think so. So you've got it. You got, well, of course you do. But I, I'm telling everybody how Appreciate great it, it is. So Check it out if you want to see everything that's happened in Las Vegas and and beyond. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, And real quick, Brian, just tell us a little bit about what we can expect to see on the site in the next couple of months. If someone goes there, what do they got to find? Well, recaps and previews, you know, of of the shows coming up. We have a uh, an event calendar that's real popular. We keep that up to date as best we can um, with shows coming up. FSWs, we put those on the calendar so people can go and see what time the show is. We try to add matches um just to keep people up to date uh obviously more history like i had been talking about features uh, we want to do more individual profiles we also have our uh, youtube show lvws confidential on our youtube channel uh, that's doing well we've interviewed damian drake nick zander uh just interviewed shade he's going to be on next week um so we've uh we we've we've interviewed some uh ladies from the ultimate women of wrestling show that's next friday so it's it's a lot going on real exciting yep very good so make sure you go check that and available out. on all social media too twitter instagram and facebook and that would be where uh, at las vegas wrestling scene on facebook and instagram at las underscore wrestling on twitter all right there you go well and, and you know real quick i know we were we were you know, we got a few minutes left and i did want to mention the territories thing again real quick because the tales from the Territories show wrapped up yeah. And the the Jim Crockett show just aired. I haven't got to watch it yet, but uh, you know Crockett was kind of the last one guys that you know pulled everybody together. It swallowed up a bunch of them and eventually became led to WCW. 
Um, what are your favorite memories of of Crockett Promotions? Good. Go ahead, Brian. Take okay. I, I was the WCW guy. So, like, I fell in love with the Superstation show the first time I saw it. Uh, it, it just looked like sports to me, and it wasn't the, uh, you know, some of the cartoon characters that WWF had. Um, the, the biggest moment for me, I guess we'll just go with WCW, was the Hogan heel turn. That was, that was so shocking to me. I couldn't believe it. Um, and that, of course, was the time the Monday Nitro era was was great i mean i worked with a bunch of people at the time that were big wrestling fans so it made it a lot of fun on tuesday morning to talk about everything that had happened and so that would be the the time for me that i just remember at least as an adult as the most memorable joe what are your what are your favorite memories of crockett promotions mine were earlier but i was based i'm i was from new york so i was you know wwf wwf you know i used to get the old magazines when i was 10 years old the wrestler and you know, you knew a Ric Flair and all that other stuff, but you never saw him in or anything. But then when all of a sudden TBS became available and then I watched it, like, you know, to this day, the Midnight Express or, you know, Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton, like my favorite tag teams, you want to talk about tag teams where Vince McMahon says, you know, oh, you know, tag teams, they don't, they don't make any money. It's like, Man, the feuds that were there, you had the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express, and I hated the Rock and Roll Express and the Fantastics. <laughs> like, sure man, those, all the good guys. Those, those were the worst teams ever, oh, you know? Yeah. And, and it was like, man, I, I was totally into that. And the funny thing is I I went to school with Paul Heyman, but Paul Heyman, was Paulie Dangerously, and for years I had no, I knew the oh, name wow. Paulie Dangerously, and I never knew it was the guy I went to school with, and I remember uh, there was like a so, show with Joe Pettisino, it was like Pro Wrestling This Week or something, Great show. and I was like, hey, whatever it was, and I remember, and it was like, hey, we have Paulie Dangerously, and I remember looking at the TV like, holy crap, that's Paul Heyman. Wow, there you and, go. And then he ended up coming in right after that because I guess he was doing some stuff in Chicago. But then he came in with the the uh, the other version of the Midnight Express, who I hated, which was like uh, Dennis Condry and the other dude. And I remember the feud with the uh, the giant cell phones that they had in their hands. Yeah, I remember so, that too. All right, well, guys, I hate to do it, but we got to wrap it up. Brian, thank you for being with thank us. You. Certainly, certainly do appreciate you being with us today and of course joe defalco so stick around everybody or we will catch you next week have a great sunday las vegas Want more of The Mark Hoke Show? Follow us on Twitter at Mark Hoke Show. Like us on Facebook at The Mark Hoke Show. And visit MarkHokeShow.com to keep up with everything happening with the show. And remember to check out all of our archive shows on YouTube at The Mark Hoke Show. And download our podcasts at MarkHokeShow.Podbean.com and all your favorite podcast outlets. So join The Mark Hoke Show family today and thanks for listening.